Welcome to Animation One to Ones, brought to you by Squiggly Online Animation Magazine. In this episode, Squiggly features writer Laura Beth Cowley is speaking with Mike Rianda, director of the new Sony Pictures animation feature, The Mitchells vs. the Machines, out now on Netflix. Mike's animation career includes his hugely successful CalArts film work, as well as his role as creative director and writer on Disney's critically acclaimed and BAFTA-winning series Gravity Falls. His new film is co-written and co-directed with Jeff Rowe, and produced by Oscar-winning duo Phil Lord and Chris Miller, as well as Kurt Ulbricht. The film follows creative outsider Katie Mitchell, whose hopes of a new start at her dream film school are dashed by her nature-loving dad's insistence on one final road trip where the two might finally bond. The already doomed venture is scuppered further by a technological uprising, with every gadget from smartphones to Furbies joining forces to capture and rid the world of humans. The Mitchells will have to work together in order to stop the robot apocalypse. Could you start by telling me a little bit about how you became involved in the animation industry? Yeah, um, in the animation industry, um, that was a long time ago. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, I, I like you know when I was a kid, I loved cartoons um uh to and to a, a terrifying degree um <laughs> even even to this day um so um so basically i i sort of tried to um get into schools i, I sort of got rejected a couple times but i ended up getting into cal arts um in uh, valencia and um from there i got an internship at pixar and then a job at gravity falls and i was initially supposed to be a storyboard artist that was like what I thought I was going to do but at Gravity Falls I ended up writing um and I found that I was maybe better at that than I was at drawing um and uh sort of worked my way up to kind of creative director which is sort of like you know um I was sort of uh you know helping show run the 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 show um even though it was sort of like um it was it was Alex Hirsch's show and I was sort of his his uh right hand man um and then I sort of broke off to um, try to do my own thing. And um, miraculously, Sony was like, would you like to make any animated movies? And I was like, yes, I, uh, I would. <laughs> and they're like, what are your ideas? And I was like, I have a million of them. Uh, and then I, I sort of uh, didn't, <laughs> but I was excited about it. And, uh, and I sort of, uh, I had a, my tape recorder out in a car and I was like, uh, uh, it's a little kid. And uh, he's just, he, he, he figures out Santa's exists and it's called secret Santa. No, stupid, stupid. Uh, and then I eventually um, came up with the idea for this movie <laughs> out of that panic. <laughs> panic is uh, the bedfellow of all film creatures. Yes, I think. exactly. Um, so you co-wrote and directed the film mm -hmm. uh, with uh, Jeffrey Rowe. Can you explain how that process worked and how you were able to negotiate decisions together? Yeah, no, it was, it was, you know, it was great. Jeff is like a brilliant writer and far better than me. Um, and, you know, basically I was, I started on the project alone and I was just sort of, you know, just in the office sort of spinning, bouncing off the walls, like a screensaver, like, you know, um, without any sort of real direction. And and it was great having Jeff because we were able to bounce things off each other. Um, and, you know, and he at a certain point was co-writing it and then he left to work on Disenchantment, um, which is a great show and, and I was super happy for him. But um, at a certain point, it was like when the movie became real, I was like, man, I need, you know, I basically needed someone on the show that like, that was what 
I was to Alex on Gravity Falls. I needed somebody who would be there with me to, you know, when the meeting is over, you close the door and you're like, is that nuts? What's happening? You know, um, and, and, you know, you're able to work out things together and, and, and write scenes together. And, and it, it just, the collaboration was really wonderful. And also we're really good friends. So I was just like, well, we might hate each other forever, but I do think Jeff is the best writer I know. <laughs> and it was worth the gamble because we're still friends. Um, and, you know, in terms of like negotiating decisions, I think we, the thing we had to figure out among ourselves was that since it was, you know, since, since it was a project that was coming from me and it was about my family, I was like, look, we're gonna kill each other if we don't have some sort of rules. You know, so I sort of was stayed as director and he was like co-director. So he basically, you know, was was there to do all the things that I couldn't and also was there to but also help me write and, and make the movie better in a, a million ways. So uh, so it was it was it was an interesting relationship, but we could I could not have made this movie without Jeff Rowley's a genius. Excellent. Uh, the film has a real sense of heart rooted in that kind of family dynamic. Could you tell me a bit about the origins of the story and what drew you to create a film that combines that kind of well-trodden narrative of like an ill-fated family road trip, but with like a sci-fi doomsday spin? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was, that was the goal. I mean, we were trying to, I was trying to combine, um, you know, a really observed, um, specific family so I sort of drew from my own family and my you know my dad is exactly like the dad in the movie he's like you know like my, me growing up I was like on my game boy like I don't like hunting dad Ugh. you know and then my dad was like listen listen buddy look up look at there's a sparrow there isn't it gorgeous you know and then I'd like look up and I'm like what is huh that's interesting what's a sparrow you know and then all of a sudden I'm like off in the world and and all these things that my dad tried to teach me like how to change a tire and stuff. I'm like, I'm never gonna need to know this, Dad. Screw you, you know. And then, and then, but as a uh, you know adult, I'm like, wow, I'm glad he taught me how to change a tire, <laughs> you know. Um, so it was, you know, some of it was about just like learning to appreciate, you know. It's like my mom was there from the beginning, keeping everyone together, and and I feel like I'm I'm like that. I had to learn from her in terms of the movie to make sure that like, you know, hey, how are you doing? Are you good? You know, are you mad at anyone? Do we need to talk? Um, so I sort of channeled her in that way. But, um, and then, and then, and then it was, it was like trying to take something really observed and, and grounded like a family and try to make the, tell those dynamics as honestly as possible. And then balance that with just going hog wild in terms of like robots and, and, you know, what if the robot splits apart and then comes back together? Yeah, that's cool. High fives, you know? Um, so, so it's, it was, it was trying to sort of get the best of both worlds, the best of invention um, and the best of observation. On that stylistically and like narratively, the film feels very uh, current and self-effacing with the use of uh, all the filters and the kind of meme culture. Yeah. How were you able to weave that into the overall story without it becoming distracting or overwhelming? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, hey, I'm glad you said that it wasn't distracting or overwhelming. <laughs> so great. Um, uh, we're done here. No, um, the, uh, the thing, the thing that, the thing that, um, it was just, it, it was a tricky balance. And, and I, I sort of, <laughs> my nephew, Ben, would watch the movie and he would sort of be like, that is lame now, by the way, you can't do Vine videos anymore. And I'm like, okay. I'm like feverishly writing down his notes. Like, okay, what, uh, what else? He's like my 14 year old, 
uh, unpaid consultants. <laughs> but um, but um, but it was like it, it was sort of it was like showing people like that who are kids who you know who live and breathe this stuff every day, and also showing audiences um, and and trying to sort of find the balance um, because. You know, hopefully, you know, even if the memes that we're referencing or something are fall out of favor or whatever, that it's still, you know, it's still a funny screaming monkey. So maybe that'll still be funny. I don't know. Who knows? Um, so. Um, so, yeah, we're trying to sort of make it, even though it's about what's happening right now, something that's understandable to anyone, whether they're entrenched in the Internet or not. You also voiced one of the characters. Yes. Yeah, Aaron, you've, um, and you've done quite a bit of voice acting in the past. What was it like juggling the dual responsibility of directing and acting? Um, it's interesting because I, I, I never thought of the acting as acting. I only thought of it as, oh, we have to get all these, uh, we have to, because basically you make the whole movie, um, before you make an animated movie, you make it all in drawings and temporary um, uh, voices. So basically you can watch the movie like you're watching a comic book with someone narrating over it. Um, and I would do all the voices just because no one else was around at like two in the morning when we were editing. So I was like, yeah, I'm the dad, I'm the kid, I'm the blah, blah, blah. Um, so for Aaron, it, we just ended up keeping what was in there. So it didn't feel like like a big acting challenge or something. I was just like, oh, I'm a little kid. <laughs> I don't know, does it sound like a little kid? Sounds like blah, 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 blah. You know, and the funny thing is we had brilliant actors come in and try to do that voice. And, and even though they're better and funnier and smarter than me, <laughs> um, there was something about, there's something about the quality of the voice that ended up working, hopefully, um, mm. uh, that, that hopefully it's not just distracting and you're not like, why is this a man? Um, but, but, um, but the, but the thing was, there was something about the the innocence of that character. And I think maybe it's because I am a little brother of older siblings, you know, and I know that um, vulnerability about, you know, oh, you're leaving for college. Because both my brother and sister left for college when I was really little. Um, and it was very sad because I love them. <laughs> um, so uh, so basically it was like it was maybe it was because I was pulling from that. I, I don't know. But um but it was something that it was just worked in the movie and no one could explain it. And they were like, well, look, we've tried a hundred people. Let's leave it as you, who cares? <laughs> and I'm like, all right, great. Um, you know, um, just cause what we were doing wasn't working, even though everyone who was doing it was brilliant. Sometimes you just fall in love with the voice that you already have, don't you? Yeah, no, I, th I do think that's true too. You know, you're like, well, that's been in there for a while. So we got to leave it. Um, on that point, you obviously did have like a, a really stellar cast. What was it like working with all those talented individuals? Oh, I mean, it's so, I mean, in a way it, it would have been intimidating if they weren't all so nice. Um, you know, they're, they're all incredible people, except Olivia Coleman, who is a monster. No, I'm kidding. She's, <laughs> <laughs> um, she's just as lovely as she appears to be. It's like, oh, you're, you know, this is, uh, you're the most charming person I've ever met in my life. Um, but um, uh, but it's so it's really wonderful because they're so nice and they're so game. You know, everyone was like, let's do improv. Let's go crazy. You know, um, and and even though they had busy schedules, they were really down to, you know, that was one thing that Chris Miller and Phil Lord really taught me in the course of this is 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 if you have these brilliant actors, let them go wild, you know, let them try anything because animation is takes so long 
And it's the least spontaneous art in a way because every moment takes years. <laughs> you know, it's stupid. <laughs> it, why do we do this? I don't know. Um, but um, but the, the thing that's wonderful that a voice actor can bring is they can just bring spontaneity to it where it's like, it feels like they're coming up with the thing because they were coming up with the thing when they said it. And they, and, and there's so much in the movie that's just improvised on the mo on the day that like our free jokes. I'm like, Oh great. That's one more joke. We didn't have to write sweet. You know, um, and thank you, Abby Jacobson. Uh, and so it was, it was, it was like a dream working with the cast. They were, they were so good. There's no, 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 um, because you also kind of expect because people are famous, I don't know where I'm getting this, but like they're going to have an entourage and they're going to be like, don't look at me, cartoonist scum or whatever, you know, and uh, they were all incredibly nice. So that was nice. Stylistically, the film sits somewhere between like the kind of bouncy, hot, high octane performance of someone like Tarkovsky's Hotel Transylvania mm -hmm. and the kind of beautiful concept art come to life of like Spider-Verse. How did you come to develop the visual style and decide upon what it eventually became? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it turns out um, that you really need a design philosophy or else everything will be hard to figure out. Because it's like, if you have a design philosophy, you can be like, okay, this is our philosophy. Is it matching to that? No, we have to fix it, you know? So for the movie, our design philosophy ended up being, we work with, I work with Lindsay Olivares, our amazing production designer. And she was the first person involved in the movie and her drawing sort of inspired the movie. I was like, oh, Lindsay, this, if you take this job, you could, it could be like Lindsay Olivares, the movie. Um, and in a way it is, I mean, cause it like, her drawings were so beautiful and so, but also so flawed and loving. You know, every line had love in it, you know, and, and it was like, wow, how do we get that on the screen? Because the movie is about imperfect humans and the movie is about flaws. And how can we see that in every single frame? So we worked, she worked with her team and there's a, there's like a murders row of, of amazing artists on the movie and they all work together um, and sort of came up with this great style where it looks like kind of like a watercolor painting. So every single pixel on the screen looks like it might've been made by a person. And then we had to take some of the tools that they made developed in Spider-Verse and like bend them in this other direction where it's like, oh, they're cool. Let's make them lame. You know, like let's make, let's make the characters wobblier and put more stains on their jacket. Um, so um, we were trying to sort of like highlight all those imperfections. And then with the robot stuff, we had to do the opposite where it's like, okay, it's big, straight, symmetrical lines and there's no imperfections and no line has a divot in it. It's all perfect. Um, and the 3D guys love that because they're like, oh, that's great. That's what the computer does anyway. All right, it's, this one's done. You know, the, the jacket took us six months and the, this insane environment that looks so impressive took us three days. <laughs> what do you hope the audience gets from the film? Um, yeah, as... as as out there as the movie can sometimes be. Um, we have a very, it's a very, I have a very like kind of corny <laughs> or very earnest wish is that, is that sort of, you know, people who watch it, um, if I can get a dad to reach out to their kid and say, and sort of see them as an adult and see maybe I should be growing with them and not expecting them to just be a child forever. Or if I can get a, a kid to appreciate their parents and realize that it is hard work to maintain these relationships, but it's so worth it. Um, 
then I then that then I'll be great. All I want to do is heal uh, the world, <laughs> heal the families of the world. If I can do that, it's perfect. Um, but but we really do. Um, um, and just also, you know, and, and on a lower level, just if if we could give families something to sit around and laugh about in a time where things are a little hard, that would be wonderful too. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you for your time. Have thank a wonderful you. evening, maybe. Yes. Yes. <laughs> the Mitchells versus the Machines is out now on Netflix, and you can see updates via their Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also follow Michael at Michael Rianda on Twitter and at Mike Rianda on Instagram. Don't forget to hit subscribe for more animation one-to-ones, and be sure to check out squiggly.com as well as all our podcasts and socials for more animation goodness.